This is the Dirt Reporters Podcast for the week of June 30th. I'm DirtOnDirt.com staff writer Joshua Joyner, joined as always by the rest of the Dirt on Dirt editorial staff for our weekly discussion on all things dirt late model racing. Although I spent most of the past week dodging storms while covering week two of the Dirt Car Summer Nationals, we thankfully still have plenty to talk about, including Lernerville Speedway's Firecracker 100. Our senior rider Kevin Kovac was at Lernerville to cover it, and of course by cover it what I really mean is he tried to find yet another way to say that Brandon Overton won in dominating fashion without sounding too redundant. Kevin, how's that going for you? One thing's good about Brandon Overton winning is uh, anytime he wins, he's going to produce uh, good quotes and a unique story. Usually uh, if a guy wins too much, you're worried about, man, what's, what are you going to write about? But uh, Overton, he's a good interview, so uh, I haven't had to like uh, struggle too much to find something to uh, another way to tell his story. I think there would be worse guys to have to interview over and over again from a reporter's perspective. So that's good to hear there. Uh, we'll talk, of course, more about Overton's big win. Uh, but let me first go ahead and introduce the rest of uh, our uh, quartet here. We have DirtOnDirt.com managing editor Todd Turner, who's uh, getting ready to take his turn covering the Summer Nationals this week. Todd, how's the weather looking for your trip? I, I, better than mine, I hope. <laughs> yeah, I think pretty good. And I got... Uh... Uh, alluding to Robert's blog last week of new tracks. I got a couple new tracks uh, in that stretch with uh, Beaver Dam on uh, Wednesday and then uh, at the end of it, uh, Knox County, Illinois. So that'll be, uh, should be a good uh, stretch of races. Always good to get to go to some, some new tracks. I got to go to one Sycamore Speedway. So of uh, since I had to go through three rainouts of my five dates, it was nice. At least one of them, the one that didn't rain out, was a new track for me. Uh, and last but not least, we have DirtOnDirt.com weekend editor Robert Holman, who I'm pretty sure hates me right now because while temperatures barely got over 80 degrees for me while I was on the Summer Nationals, I'm pretty sure he had a, a couple of nights there with record highs during his trip the, the week before. Robert, you're not holding that against me, are you? Oh, no, 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 no. I, I wish that, uh, you know, you had gotten to go to more races. We don't ever like to take those long trips and not get races in. That's the, the absolute worst. But I, I did think that from, a, I guess, taking a break standpoint, maybe you could have gone to a casino a time or two because you kind of got lucky there with uh, with with some rainouts and, and been able to, to take it easy. But but we know that, that none of us ever really take it easy when we're out on the road, do we? No, always, uh, always work to be done uh, at, at some point. I actually pitched in and helped out with all the downtime I had some of the weekend coverage re remotely there. So uh, no casino uh, for me during this trip anyway. Anyway, like I said, we're going to uh, spend some time talking about the Firecracker 100. Uh, we'll start with uh, Brandon Overton's win. And of course, uh, him dominating is, is nothing new, at least this year. He, of course, dominated the Double Dreams week. And I, I guess kind of putting that in perspective, Kevin, it seemed that he was pretty dominant by the end of the week. I didn't get to watch the whole, you know, three three nights at Lernerville, but by uh, watching Saturday's finale there, it seemed he was pretty dominant by the end of it. Would you comparing the two, the Dream and, and his Lernerville, which uh, which was he more dominant in your mind there, Kevin? By Saturday, the finale at at uh, Lernerville, he it looked quite a bit like Eldora. I mean, it was almost like the same playbook where. Uh, he started near the front after winning a heat race, and uh, he started fifth here at Lernerville, started seventh, I believe, on the Saturday race at Eldora. Uh, and, and both races at Eldora, he sort of just, you know, the first half of the race just, you know, bided his time and, and stayed patient. And then when he had to go, he went, and then he was uh, 
uh, in control most of the way. And of course, the Saturday race at, at Eldora, Chris Madden just give, did give him a run towards the end, but uh, still, Overton was in control. You, you, you felt the, that whole that whole time he was going to he was going to be able to pull it off. And on Saturday at, at Lernerville, he was much the same. He just he just really nice. He's so calm and behind the wheel. That's one thing about it. he wasn't going up and not trying to make any, uh, you know, hasty moves, trying to go to the top and pass anybody just kind of hung back there, uh, measured his man. It was Chris Madden. And then Madden went to the bottom one lap on lap 41. Uh, when his crew was saying he probably should go to right to the top, uh, middle of the track, say they're just above Madden, not the cushion or anything. And uh, Overton takes the lead. So, I mean, it, it was uh, quite a bit like Eldora with his uh, patience and, and then just smoothness after that. He just was so smooth. Uh, the, the one big difference is he didn't start the week off very well, Lernerville. On, sat, on Thursday, he got there. He finished 11th in, in the opening night uh, preliminary feature. He just wasn't very good. And he, he felt it. He, he said people were coming up to him and saying, well, what's wrong with you? You know, like, why aren't you winning? You know, why aren't you going to sweep this? And. Uh, but he had to get used to those tires. He wasn't used – last time he was at Lernerville, they run the LM tires, and they were on the you know, 1300s and 1425s and then 1600 for the right rear in the in the 100 lapper. So he had to figure that out, And but, you know, he did. Friday comes back, wins the race, comes back Saturday, wins the race. And, and that one thing that everybody did – I don't know if anybody saw it. Nobody actually seen this on video uh, like a replay. But when he got hit by Brent Larson, a caution comes out lap 51 under caution – Larson tried to catch up to the field and all of a sudden went underneath Overton into turn three, ran right into his left front wheel. And it looked like that was, I mean, man, it, everything's crashing down on him here. But he went into the corner on the restart. Car's all right. Steering's all right. The um, the motor, I mean, the the tire's not down. And uh, he's sm smooth the rest of the way. That just shows you I think everything's lined up right from Brandon Overton right now. Yeah, Robert uh, talking about uh, me needing to go to a casino for my luck with the, the rainouts of summer nationals. If anyone needs to go to a casino right now, it's Brandon Overton. Like his luck, I don't say not luck in that he, I mean, he was dominant. There's no doubt. But how rare is it to go this long, as many races as he's been going back to uh, the dream and even beyond that, some of the, the races earlier in, in the spring there, uh, without really any major issues and, and be able to put a street together like he's done. Todd, what's your, your thoughts on that? Is that uh, kind of surprising to you or do you, you feel like he's just so dominant, really luck's not even a factor into it? Yeah, I'm not sure he's had, I, I guess that's luck uh, that he didn't have that problem there at Lernerville, but it's not like he's had stuff falling in his lap. He's just been so much faster. And that's what, that's what uh, kind of strikes me is like, of course, Madden has seen up close and personal uh, him uh, how, how good Overton is. Madden clearly can see that Overton's car is better. He he knows he's better, and it's it's got to be frustrating for him to watch him, you know, uh, drive drive past him. And that's that's what I get in those last three one hundred lappers. He, you know, it's just that he's just you know running solid at the beginning. He makes the pass in the middle of the race and then he just goes on and wins. You know, it, it's really pretty amazing. I mean, it's, uh, um, you know, as, as we've talked about streaks come and go, you know, some, something else will happen and he'll, he'll go down a little bit, but man, he's got a great season going on, um, the whole season, but you look at this last three week stretch or just in June, just, uh, just remarkable. Yeah, and you, uh, Todd, bring up a, a, an interesting storyline. Uh, of course, a lot of storylines from from Learner Bill, but one of the interesting ones to me was was Madden's again second to uh, to Overton, and uh, you know just how um, 
one car, but stands between him and a really impressive, you know, run here, uh, you know, for the past, for the second dream and, uh, and fire and the firecracker, uh, Robert, what were some other storylines that maybe jumped out to you? Some other things you noticed, uh, from watching, uh, the Lernerville results come in. Well, you know, first of all, I just got to say, you know, how impressed I am with, with over Overton's patience and his, um, his discipline, because, when you think about disciplined drivers in 100 lap races, you know, what comes to mind is Scott Bloomquist, Adele McDowell, uh, Chris Madden, and and this, and you've got a kid, I mean, I call him a kid because I'm an old guy, but you know, you got a 30 year old guy who is out there doing what those guys, uh, you know, are used to doing. He's being patient, he's being very disciplined, he's waiting for the right moment, he's not getting in a rush. It's just very, very impressive uh, to me. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm just, I've been very impressed with his, his discipline over the last month or so and, and maturity. Uh, I think that says a lot about him and his, uh, his ability behind the wheel. Uh, as far as other storylines, you know, you definitely got to point out, uh, you know, my, my buddy, Dennis Herb. I mean, how could I, how could I pass up that you know, third place run? He, and he, you know, he look at that uh, consolation race or not the consolation race, but I guess the first race on, Thursday, I believe it was. He he barely makes that race. Uh, he is battling, which he would have got a provisional, I think. But he was battling with Chris Ferson right there, um, tooth and nail, right down to the wire uh, to get that last transfer spot. They had some contact. Fergie goes in there real hard, and 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 they make more contact, and they and Fergie winds up spinning. Dennis gets the spot and gets the last transfer spot to race his way into that feature. And then two days later, I mean, he is, he's a second place in that race for a long, long time. So, uh, you know, leave it to me. I always give a shout out to, to Dennis when he runs good. So that's, that's one of the things, obviously, from my perspective, where I was kind of watching other races and kind of doing some other stuff this weekend that when I looked at the, the Lernerville stuff that definitely jumped off the page at me. Yeah, uh, Dennis Herbs definitely had a, a couple of good runs. Had a, a good run going. At, I think the first one of the, I think the first dream, and he had a, some motor issues. The second uh, uh, dream there at Eldora, and then obviously to have a, a top three, a podium finish at the Firecrackers, uh, big for him. Heating up as he prepares to go uh, on the Summer Nationals this week. Um, some of the other Outlaws guys going too. Uh, Co- uh, Kevin, you got something to add about Herb or another point to make about Lernerville? Actually, about Herb because it was really. Uh... Uh, interesting, you know, his third place finish was, it came at the end of a really tough day for him. Uh, he learned his uncle, uh, his brother, his, his father's brother uh, passed away in the morning. And then he asked to take his dog, his 12 year old Pomeranian, Joey, uh, wasn't feeling well, wasn't eating. You could, he's a, uh, could see some problem there and he got worried about it. So he had to go find a vet, a vet in the area during the day. And he, so he was, he was away from the racetrack most of Saturday, while uh, Heather Lynn was uh, working on the car pretty much all or so, she was a one-woman band. I mean, that's what, just like Dennis is the one-man band, she was a one-woman band for sure on uh, on Saturday, preparing them for, for the race on Saturday night. And and then he finally gets back there, finishes third, and as soon as the race is over, he's back to the vet to pick up his dog. And uh, when I finally talked to him, he's he's there holding the dog, had was wrapped on, had the dog's uh uh, front paw was wrapped with a uh, bandage because uh, he had he'd been getting his uh, IV all day to get him get him because uh, he was dehydrated. So 
uh, it was a tough day for, for Dennis. I mean, off the track, on the track, he really ran well. I mean, it would have been pretty neat if he would have ended up winning that. Like you say, he really wanted to. I mean, I would have made it matter. made a really good story. Uh, but um, we're hoping, hopefully everything's going well now with his, uh, with his dog also, hopefully, because uh, yeah, he has a busy week. He's running all the summer nationals races this week uh, going in the, uh, before he gets back on the outlaws next week. Yeah, definitely. Uh, condolences to Dennis Herb and his family on loss of his, his uncle there. But I just uh, I just want to step back and, and notice and you're really diving deep uh, there, there, Kevin, with the, the health rundown <laughs> of a driver's dog. So certainly exactly. uh, wish, yeah. uh, what you say is Joey was his name? Wish Joey the, the best. Joey, yeah, it's Joey and I, recovery. And, I, and I said that after the race was over. I'm like, that's the first time I talked to a driver who was holding his dog coming back from the vet after a race uh, and uh, getting the rundown of the health of the of the animal. I mean, I've been around a lot of a lot of animals at the racetrack, a lot of dogs. So uh, it, it, you never know when somebody could be, you forget about that. And they, they could get sick too. So uh, it was a definite, something a little bit different. You know, you never know what you're going to get when you're interviewing people, I guess. And uh, when you're reporting. So uh, that was a, that was a, a new one for me. We appreciate the in-depth reporting there. Getting back to the uh, actual <laughs> on-track action. Was there anything else, uh, Kevin, that, that stood out to you? Any other performances or, or uh, instances there that kind of you feel like worth noting? I kind of look at Daryl Lanigan uh, with the, he's always so good at, at Lernerville. He has ninth top five and 14 starts. He had there came all the way from a, from the B main 21st uh, starting spot, finished fourth. And I mean, I don't know. I mean, he, if there would have been a caution over those last 40 some laps, he might've gotten up higher because he was moving, making moves forward uh, at late in the race when nobody else really was. So uh, I give a shout out to him. Uh, also a uh, shout out. Uh, Michael Norris continues to run well. Every time the, the outlaws come to his home track, uh, finished second in the one, uh, uh, the one preliminary night, but he just can't yet. He finishes top 10. It seems like every year in the hundred lap or another a seventh place this year, but he just can't get that little extra to win that. I know. I, I think it's coming. He's a young guy too. And, and you always see this when those, a home track guy runs his big, his event, his track, big event. Uh, eventually they're going to, they'll get it. I think he'll eventually win that race, but he doesn't run many hundred lappers either. So it's, he's still learning there in that regard, but uh, good, good for him. And, and I know one other guy I mentioned is Spencer Hughes, uh, him, uh, Spencer driving the Craig Sims PCC motorsports car. He's makes his first time go to Lernerville. Uh, he's out there with an 18 year old and a 19 year old as his crewman. And he's only 20 and he, uh, he gets a top five in a preliminary feature runs ninth in the, in the hundred lapper. Pretty, pretty impressive. I think, uh, I, I, Roberts mentioned him before, uh, also. And, and so is Todd. I, I mean, everybody, I think really opening their eyes to Spencer Hughes, uh, seems like he's a kid that has this stuff together and he's going to be a, a contender down the line, I think, uh, in dirt late model racing. But we'll dive in, uh, take some time to talk about the, the summer nationals. Uh, of course, I, I was out on the tour the, the past week uh, and of five planned dates, Mother Nature won three of them. And I think going back to the Sunday rain out the week before at Plymouth, that's uh, uh, two races in two ra races were held in the, of the past six. The other four were, were rained out. So it's been uh, been a rainy season uh, so far after I think the tour opened with five straight nights without a rain out. Um, to have that many uh, here in week, the end of week one and week two has been uh, kind of kind of crazy. I'll say I don't. I've covered a lot of races in uh, summer nationals, and I don't think I've ever had that kind of experience where I spent that much time in a hotel room watching it rain. And even Sycamore, it rained pretty much. I was surprised they got that one in 
uh, and kudos to the, the, the track crew and the, the officials there for getting it in because it, it pretty much rained the entire night, drizzled the entire night, and they still got it in. And the track was actually – it was heavy, but it wasn't uh, wasn't too heavy um, considering the circumstances. But uh, for the actual racing, Brian Shirley gets back on track with a couple of wins. Uh, pretty dominating there at LaSalle on – gosh, what, what was night Wednesday, I believe – and then uh, Bobby Pierce gave him a good run on at Sycamore, but ultimately he leads. Uh, Shirley does leads every lap and kind of gets himself back in the the points chase uh, there on on tour as uh, kind of this this weird schedule, different schedule, new schedules, trying to settle in and see where everyone shakes out with these breaks and the rain. I adding more breaks into it. But uh, Todd, anything? I know you're getting ready to go on the tour. Anything uh, as you've kind of been watching from afar as you're going to cover it? Anything you're you're watching for specifically on the tour this week? Um, I guess, you know, we weren't surprised to see Shirley bounce back after that kind of rough first week. Um, one thing about the rain that, that I, I think kind of highlights the, as we've talked about the schedule and not to belabor this, but now we have two races over 10, a 10 day period. And and this is supposed to be a series that, you know, is based on hell, hell tour night after night racing. Well, you know, it's, it's really not, you know, when you build two day, two days off into it, then you get a, the occasional rain out here, here and there, all of a sudden you have a very stretched out tour with really not all that much racing. So hopefully they can get these, uh, these next five or six in without any rain and, and kind of get back at it because, that's the beauty of the series is that rhythm, you know, that night after night. And, you know, a guy like Shirley winning a lot in a row or, or having some controversy that kind of goes night to night after night that people are keeping an eye on. Um, so I don't know that that's what, uh, uh that interests me. And also uh, in your story, uh, Joshua, you know, Shirley alluded to, he's not sure if he's going to stay on the series, which I think, you know, all the bets would have been he would have been one of the most likely to stay on it and he he's kind of iffy you know pierce has already said he's going to miss some so so we'll see how that uh you know that'll be kind of a constant week by week check you know who who is really going to stick with this thing and a lot of it will depend on how well guys run obviously because when you run poorly or you wreck or you have problems you're more likely to to want to pull off of it. So we'll we'll keep track on that this week and see uh see what that's looking like as far as the the longevity of uh which which drivers are going to stick with the tour. Yeah, that was one thing. It's kind of funny that you mentioned that. Is I just assumed Shirley was planning on running. I think we all did assume assumed that uh, Shirley was planning on running the entire tour. And then he kind of in his in, while I'm interviewing him there at Sycamore, he kind of brings it up on his own without me even asking that he wasn't sure if he if he is. Uh, there so that'll be certainly be interesting to watch um, uh, who sticks with it and how that all shakes out uh, going forward uh, one thing and you guys I, I'm gonna lean on you guys for some perspective on this I know we're talking a lot about the rain but again there's only two races of the the five that were held so when it comes to summer nationals that's kind of where we are right now but I'm wondering if there's uh, any interesting rain stories you know that you guys have experienced while covering the summer nationals i know we've talked about it before todd mentioned i think one where there was a non-rain where it went like 19 or something races straight without rain then kind of rained out halfway through the last night there before break planned break uh, but in, any other stories and i'm thinking one specific where uh, and todd i think you were there for this one i don't know the details of it when it was what track but i remember there was one night where it half rained out and then half didn't i think they rained out and then came back and ran it 
<laughs> so, Doc, can you you remember you recall were you at that race, Todd? Am I, did I have that correct? Yeah, it, it's it's the greatest non-rainout race of all time. And Rusty Griffaw is so proud that he has a, a big role in it. <laughs> so there at Camp Motor Speedway, I think this is 2009 or 2008, and uh, and it just came a gully washer, like about 5:30. Everybody was kind of in the pits, but they weren't even close to starting hot laps or anything. And it poured for maybe an hour. I mean, just just I mean puddles. Just the track was a mess. I mean, any. You know, non-summer nationals night, just some regular show, you'd have definitely pulled the plug and headed out. Uh, but they're sitting there, and and there's just a lot of talk about what to do. No, the drivers, the the series regulars, did not want to race because it was just a mud bog out there. Well, we're all sitting there. I mean, I don't know. This goes on for an hour and a half or two. They're just kind of talking about it, what to do. You know, fans are still paying and coming in. Uh, and eventually, Rusty Griffaw gets his modified and goes out on the track to prove that you can that you can do something on it. And all of a sudden, some other guys start going out and helping pack the track. Uh, so Rusty always is so proud that he's the one that saved the show. Well, saved the show and that they did have the race. Uh, but the series regulars talked to Sam Driggers into not making it. Um, I, I think they decided that year to drill the drop one race, which those guys were basically saying, this is the race we're dropping, you know. And so many of the top drivers did not race. And they ended up running. Uh, and Eric Smith won his first uh, Summer Nationals race in a heavy, wet, fast, high-speed, late-night race. Uh, that, that again, still still a lot of guys competed. But it was uh, it should have been a rain out. I think we all, we all agree. And they've had a couple like that. They had that one at Oakshade one time and, they, and then years ago. Uh, somewhere else and in one of those i think in oakshade i love jeep van warmer i think everybody's like i don't know if it's oakshade or another way everybody agree all the the series points guys agreed hey we're not gonna race here we're gonna load up because of the rain and then jeep went out and raced anyway or something <laughs> while like dennis herb is heading back to illinois i mean i don't know it's kind of funny you know they have those little bargains among drivers you know a pack like well we're not if i won't i won't race if you won't or whatever like that so it was pretty funny, Kevin. You do you remember that story or? Yeah, I totally remember that Oakshade one. I w- I was there for that. That was uh, 2007, I believe. I think it was my first uh, time. I was kind of going to some summer national shows when I was working with you know doing the PR for the World of Outlaws dirt car and stuff. And and uh, and it poured. And it's like man, this race is done, you know. And they kept going. But and, and the championship battle was Don O'Neill and Dennis Herb that year. Uh, I, I totally, I distinctly remember that. And they were both there, obviously. And I mean, O'Neill was ahead. It wasn't like it was like a, a, a little time. It wasn't a one position thing or anything. I mean, if he would have had a really bad night, then Herb could have taken advantage. But, and when you go back, if you're going to start racing at midnight on a rough, uh, not a uh, specifically rough track, but maybe rough, but a really heavy track, you could have a problem. So that's, they, they kind of made the deal. Hey, we both won't race. Let's just call this. Let's not determine the championship on a heavy, wild, you know, track that's going to be hard on equipment. And, uh, and they, they can race, but we're not going to race to, to we'll, we'll call the championship basically between ourselves right here. And that's what they did. And then Jeep did go and win. And it was like, I think, 3.30 or 4 in the morning when that race ended. That was a, that was a late <laughs> night one, that's for sure. And what a way to end the Summer Nationals. The summer nationals always, I think, from from covering it, it always is is produces some of the most interesting stories 
as far as uh, how we cover it and kind of the uh, the circumstances we as reporters face on the summer nationals. And that's one thing I think talking about these, these sharing these stories of the rainouts and everything kind of got me thinking on like, what are some, some interesting stories that, uh, you know, we as reporters have experienced that maybe can give listeners uh, an idea of what it's like being a reporter on the summer nationals. And uh, so if you maybe share some experiences and thoughts you guys have on that, Robert, you got anything that jumps out to you that might uh, illustrate what it's like to be a reporter on the summer nationals? You know, I have a couple of, for starters, I'm sitting in my truck right now, uh, and it's pouring down rain. It's coming a monsoon, so I think it's it's perfect category, perfect, <laughs> perfect for us to talk about this. I mean, it, I've got my window cracked a little bit. My arm's getting a little wet here, but, but I'm a trooper. Just like being on the Summer Nationals, you have to be a trooper, and so I'm going to hang in here and finish this. Uh, so I do have a couple. Um, first time I met Kovac was, like, 2010 or 2011 somewhere in there and i met him at at highland and i was uh just doing some freelance work i wasn't hired full-time by, by dirt on dirt just yet and uh so i met up you know todd's like you, you can meet up with kevin and make sure you, you don't, you're going to step on each other's toes as far as storylines and stuff goes so i find this guy sitting on top of his on top of his computer basically sitting in his in the passenger side of his car and it's hot it is a hot day at highland he's sitting there just banging away and first of all when i say banging away you have to realize that kevin is a hard typer he types hard. he's like bang 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 on the keyboard i mean he's banging on that thing right so if you're ever in a hotel with kovac get to sleep early you know anyway so so anyway so he's banging on the keyboard and i'm like Dude is sitting in his, I was there with my brother and my nephew, and I'm like, dude is sitting in his car, man. What is he doing? And so then I, I look, you know, if you've ever been to Highland, the press box is about the size of a closet. Of course he was sitting in his car because, as we all know, at about half of these places we go to, there is no place to sit. There's no good place to sit. So I remember Todd telling me a story one time about, about you know, just turning a trash can upside down and having to put his computer on a trash can. So I'm at uh, I'm at Farmer City. I'm a full time with Dirt on Dirt at this point. I'm at Farmer City, me and my son. Uh, and I go up there. And I'm on a little catwalk, and I'm like, going to press box. You know, when if you open the press box door at Farmer City, you hit you will hit somebody in the butt. You know, you'll you'll hit somebody. It's that tight. And so I'm like, where in the crap am I going to sit at this place? nowhere there's no place in here so i go back out i'm like hey todd trash can so i i i remember that story there was a trash can there i looked in there there's a couple cans i tossed out the cans turned my turned it upside down had my son go back to my car and get my stool by the way i always carry a a tv a plastic like tv tray and a stool everywhere i go now it's in my trunk so I always have to be prepared. Yes, I always have a desk. So I, I, he went back and got my stool, and I sat there and watched the race there, there at Farmer City. You know, so it's it's not glamorous necessarily. A lot of times you don't get to watch heat races. You know, you're either at the the UMP or the, the dirt car trailer, uh, tracking down stuff, and and then you know you try to try to get free in time to go watch the main event and stuff like that. Uh, it, it's it's definitely not glamorous out there. 
some some interesting stories for sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in and tell a story, another story about Highland, and, and not to pick on Highland and its uh, small press box, but I had a similar experience there. Uh, my first uh, summer national year on the summer nationals, uh, and and Michael and Todd had warned me, you know how it's not like uh, you know I'd, other tracks, and I'd been used to going to uh, you know places with press boxes, and it's kind of a you know. You, they're just like, you're not going to have that on, on every every race and uh, Highlands one where you kind of have to make do and uh, so my battery is going dead on my computer there and uh, and so I have to find not only somewhere I can set my set up my computer but also that I can plug in and the only place I could find was behind the bar uh, in the Highland um, convenient uh, concession stand which is is under the the bleachers at Highland and in, in, in the way it's built it's very interesting but I so I end up uh, and this is, I think the race was over at that point. I'm trying to update the, you know, the result, the website and get the results on there and a, a short story for an update. And so I, I have to plug in and the only place I can find is behind the, the bar concession stand. And I'm, so I have my computer, uh, on a stack of beer boxes and I'm sitting on another stack of beer boxes and Michael, Michael Rigsby there was doing the video and, uh, comes by and just gives me a thumbs up. And he's like, that's, that's great work for the summer national as <laughs> he's, he's running by to go do his, uh, his interviews. And I just remember like, that was, uh, you know, it's probably like the third race of the, the third or fourth race of the, on that year's tour that year. So it was still early into it. And I'm just like sitting here working, you know, with my computer in the, in the, on, on the beer boxes and kind of getting my, my first real taste of what it's like to be on the summer's summer nationals. So, uh, yeah, Highland, and, and they're not, it's not the only place. A lot of places uh, don't have press boxes, at, and, and, or at least are limited on space, so we kind of have to make do. Uh, Kevin, what, what do you got? Any stories similar to that or anything interesting from your experiences? Oh, I got the, the Oak Shade uh, press box or, you know, Officials Tower or whatever you want to call that. Uh, um, my first time covering the Summer National Dirt on Dirt, I got in there. I mean, I was like, Todd was like shocked when I told him. He's like, they never let me in there ever. And I'm like, well, I mean, I don't know. Like, it wasn't like, we're not talking about, you know, perfect. But I was able to get in. The Hendricks, they really let me in and, and uh, come in and, uh, and set my computer up. But the problem was I wasn't on, like, the counter space or anything. There was a chair, you know, a chair with, like, some, you know, hands, hand, you know, stuff on the side, you know. Um, and it's in the corner, the far right corner of the press box, which, uh, and it's facing the opposite direction. It's facing backwards. So I'm like, I think if I get on there, I can sit there and I'll, I mean, I'll have to turn around and look at the track and I'll, I'll see part of it, but I can get my computer and I'll have a spot, you know? So that's what I did. I spent the whole night there in the corner backwards with the track and turning my head around. And, uh, and also during that time, uh, I, some of the things that were around me, I think there was a SpongeBob stuffed SpongeBob hanging from there. There was other little kids toys uh, around. I had to, actually, I, I'm not sure when the last time somebody had sat in that chair because there was a lot of like stuffed toys like that and stuff on it. So it, it had been a long time. I had to kind of clear out a little area, but it worked. I got my, I, I got, that was the, that was the best spot I could find that day. The next year, I think I was able to move into the corner where like there was a little, a, a little like uh, a little desk thing there, like where they would take the 50 50 raffle money and stuff. And I was able to go over there, but I had to kind of lean down a little bit. And then, I mean, each year it was like, I moved up a little bit more. And, I, and two years ago, I was on the the counter. I was like, that was the most proud time ever at Oakshade. I got onto the counter, perfect spot right next to the scores and everything. So uh, you just got to put your, you got to pay your dues on the summer nationals too. See, and you, and you work your way up uh, at the, at the Oak shade birthday race. 
Way to, way to stick with it there, Kevin. That's one thing. I don't. I, a lot of the races I go to anymore, I don't even look for a press box anymore. I mean, I, I think I kind of learned that from Todd is you just find somewhere to set up. And especially now because you don't have to, you know, we have, a, you know, uh, wireless cards, whatever. We don't have to find Wi-Fi, um, you know, at the press box, which used to be back in the day was the big thing. So it's, it's almost like you just find somewhere you can put your computer and uh, have decent phone signal or, or uh, 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 card signal to, to hook to the Internet and get to work. But, but see, Oakshade, I had to kind of go up top there because that was the best spot I could find internet. You know, I kind of looked around. It wasn't that I mean we're not in the, you know, we're off, you know, what, third, half an hour outside of Toledo, but we're out in the, in the country there and it's not the greatest signal. So kind of looked around and it's not working too great out in the parking lot. So went up in the tower. I'm like, man, I, I'm going to have to bite the bullet here and, 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 and just sit backwards because the signal's good. Got to do what you got to do. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, you got to, you know, play the hand you're dealt there when it comes to, to Internet uh, uh, power outlets, desk, whatever you can get. Todd, I know you have some interesting stories as far as uh, Summer Nationals ingenuity there and, and making do with what you got. Anything, uh, you know, jumping jump to your mind that you think we'd find interesting? Yeah, just overall, the fact that we have now multiple officials, electronic scoring, you know, Wi-Fi and all that stuff. It, it, there is a lot more tools you can work with. I, I remember back, way back when, when it was just, I would be going to Bob Memmer's van to get the final rundown, you know, and that nobody else is around. And you're, you know, there's no, yet. you kind of, I would hand score races a lot then myself. So I would have a pretty good rundown of who, who was where. But, uh, but yeah, the press box situation, I'm, I'm kind of like you, Joshua. At some point, I just kind of gave up on them. You know, I'm not going to mention, mention any names. Spoon River. Uh, but they would never <laughs> let me in the press box. I, I, and the thing is, I would go up there, and it was it was pretty big. There was there was room. It wasn't like jam with people. But you, I would go up there every year, and I ask if I could get in the press No. No, sorry. And I, I, I'm not trying to big time anybody and we're not like, you know, whatever. But but it is nice if you're covering the series to have a little place to, to work. So, yeah, you just kind of you kind of make do. And, and I remember being in the infield at Macon one time typing typing um, um, time trials. And that was a problem back then without the electronic scoring and stuff. If, if you wanted to do the immediate time trials like we've done. You needed to get near a speaker, so a lot of times you were kind of outside, so you had to figure out a place to be. And I'm just getting pelted with dirt, and this guy's looking at me. My computer, of course, is a dusty mess, and he's like, "I can't believe you're doing that with your computer." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm just this. This is the way it goes, you know. What do you, What are you gonna do?" And then uh, the uh, the garbage can is is was at Danville, <laughs> another place where they wouldn't let me in the press box. And and the reason I did that because I was in the infield and there was a power. You know, like this uh, this light pole, there's a there's a power outlet at the bottom, which, you know, is like finding gold at the dirt track. It's like, oh, a power outlet. So I, I connected to that and sat there, and that's where I worked all night. And in all honesty, it wasn't that bad. I mean, I make fun, I make fun of that one because it's unusual, but it was probably more comfortable than half the other tracks I went to that that year. But uh, but it, it's a blast. I mean, that's that's one, one thing – you know, you, we go to these races where you get three or four nights. You know, you kind of get your setup. You're kind of settled in at one track for several nights in a row. When you're going from track to track to track, just like the drivers and everybody else, you, every night is an adjustment of like, huh, how am I going to do this? How's the Wi-Fi here? Where am I going to, you know? So it's um, it's just part of the fun on uh, on uh, the traveling carnival known as the Summer Nationals. 
one of the things that I absolutely love about about the deal is four or five nights in a row there at the the dirt car trailer because those guys are kind of like family and when you spend a week with them you know eight hours a day at their trailer sam and and his crew they're they're gracious and sam is a is a hoot and if you 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 know it well he's a hoot you got to get to know him you know i mean just it's you know and, and so uh, so those guys are like family by the end of the week, you know, and you're like, man, I just spent a whole week with those. It's like being on vacation to a degree with, with when you're hanging with that, with that crew four or five hours a day, you know, for five or six days in a row. It certainly makes for some uh, fond memories, uh, some that are better remembered than when they were actually experienced, perhaps. But uh, definitely makes for some fun, uh, fun memories and stories to tell uh, when you're covering the Summer Nationals, which Todd will get to experience, uh, hopefully without all the rain. Uh, maybe, a, maybe one rain out in the middle or somewhere to, to, to give him a break, but uh, should be a, a good week on the summers, Summer Nationals. But we're, uh, we'll go ahead and uh, kind of start tapering on to the end here. And as we always do every week, we'll finish up with our one more thing where we kind of go around and each uh, uh, bring up one thing, whether it's a race result or a news item that kind of jumped out to us uh, from the, the previous week. Uh, I'm going to start this week kind of going back to Lernerville. And I kind of I mentioned this in, in Fast Talk, but I uh, just want to um, mention uh, Mark Whitener, a guy that um, just landed back with Big Frog Motorsports uh, and is, uh, of course, he's race for them for quite a while um a few years ago but uh and me i'm pretty impressive since getting back with them going up to tracks he's not familiar with in pennsylvania ran a, a weekly show he was going to run the world of outlaws uh, uh races up there a couple weeks ago and had some rain out so he ran at Lernerville and i think had a second place finish and a weekly show there and then um i think i can't remember now but another local track in in pennsylvania a local show where he won a track i've I imagine he'd never even been to before, never seen, and won against a decent uh, Pennsylvania field there, um, local guys, and then has a, a, a good weekend at, at Lernerville with, I think, a podium finish on one of the prelim nights, uh, kind of his highlight, and, of course, won the uh, $10,000 Crate Lake model feature up there. Um, so pretty good week for him, and uh, as a Floridian myself, always good to see other Floridians going off and, and running well uh, in, in major events there. So uh, what about you, Kevin? What you got for one more thing? Just kind of look back at this past week, and we haven't even mentioned it, but Lucas Oil uh, Series was supposed to be running. They were supposed to be doing the Gopher 50 out there at, at uh, Deer Creek Speedway in, in Minnesota, uh, $12,000 and $15,000 to win a doubleheader. And, and they experienced the nightmare scenario for a traveling series uh, when you go to a track that that's, you know, that's kind of off the beaten path a little bit. It's not really a centrally located place. That's a long way for most of the race teams uh, that are with the, the series. And, and this is a, just a two race uh, swing that they were doing and, and then coming all the way back and running Ohio this week. And, and they got rained out. I mean, they got right before they started on uh, Friday night, it rained, couldn't run. And then Saturday they were done. They canceled by about 10 or 11 in the morning because the rain was just going to be too bad. And, and so those guys well, went all the way out there and I'm sure there was a lot of, I mean, there's nothing you could do about it. Hey, this is what it was. And it was going to be a, you know, a well-paying weekend if it happened, but it's also that like, that scenario where, hey, if something does happen, if it does rain, uh, you go all that way for nothing. And, and it probably all those other guys are probably looking at it like I know like a guy like a, a Tim McCready from the Northeast and, and, and a, a hot driver like Jonathan Davenport right now. And and also Josh Richards, who's won the firecracker just like McCready has at uh, at Lernerville. 
they're looking at that man, $30,000 to win race. We could have been there if it wouldn't have been raining out here in Deer Creek. I mean, there's, as they're driving home, they're just thinking about how, by the way, it was so nice at Lernerville for once. Always that, that place for the firecracker seems like it's a bad forecast for once. They had a great one, had a great crowd, had great field. And unfortunately those Lucas guys uh, weren't able to, to partake in it because they were chasing the rain out there in, in Minnesota. Yeah, kind of ironic on a weekend so plagued by by rain that Lernerville had a, a had nice weather for once. So uh, yeah, it just uh, went away from Lernerville. It was crazy. Uh, they yeah. kept looking at rain. It, was, it wasn't too far away even. Just went away. It was perfect. I'm glad they got a good uh, good weekend for that big race. Unfortunate the way it worked out with the Lucas Oil Series and Deer Creek. Um, kind of hate to see that scenario happen, but that's that's part of it. Uh, Robert, what do you got for one more thing? Uh, well, first of all, Jonathan Davenport, I saw on his Facebook page, you know, kind of talking about what Kevin was saying. Uh, he was watching a movie in his hauler and it said that this was the highlight of his last 38 hours or a 38 hour trip or something <laughs> like that. He was sitting there watching a movie and it was like, I don't know what it was, smoking the bandit or something. Some old, you know, so I'm like, yeah, I, I, I feel bad for those guys having to drive, you know, way up there and not getting to race well I, I actually drove all the way to rome i was two miles from rome on uh sunday and got rained out so that was a three-hour drive for me and i was frustrated so i know that 38 hours you know for those guys uh was not was not cool so but anyway the one thing i'd like just kind of toss out there in case you know people aren't paying attention is is the uh uh, Iron Man deal, you know, there's a, a discrepancy or some problems with fuel sponsorships between the track and the series where uh, the Iron Man uh, deal was supposed to be this weekend. They were supposed to be, at, you know, that $20,000 race uh, on July 4th at Beckley Motorsports Park. And uh, so now that race is going to go unsanctioned. That race is going on uh, as scheduled just without the Iron Man sanctioning. And the Iron Man uh, has now picked up uh, a race there at Lake Cumberland. Uh, which should be a, a pretty good. Both of those races should be should be equally equally good on July fourth. If you're you know want to go separate ways or go out and, and catch a race, so Ironman will be at Lake Cumberland and uh, Beckley's a twenty thousand dollar to win race is going on as planned, just uh, unsanctioned. Yeah, it's definitely a, a big weekend of racing as always. With the Fourth of July weekend is always a big one. Uh, Todd, what do you got for one more thing? I just wanted to uh, tout uh, a guy that was featured in our weekly notebook a month or so ago, uh, Cole Searing from Huron, South Dakota. He had a three-victory weekend this last weekend, uh, winning uh, Brown County, Nolier Central Speedway, and the Casino. Uh, and he's leading the Wasota points. This is only his first, or second full or first full season in late models. He switched about halfway through last year. Uh, and uh, he's got some tough customers. Chad Becker, who uh, is multi-time Wasota champion, who actually was in Cole's wedding. So they're buddies, but he's getting the best of Chad here lately. I think he's got 10 or 11 wins. Uh, uh, so, yeah, it's interesting to keep track of that Wasota bunch up there and uh, watch, uh, watch Cole. I'm glad... Uh, the weekly notebook guys, sometimes we tend to jinx them, you know, and you do a story on and all of a sudden things go south, but uh, good for him. Uh, and then this last weekend, uh, Brandon Brown had won five in a row. He added that and won six in a row. And then uh, Brandon Francis of uh, uh, West Virginia is going to be featured this week. And uh, I'd already interviewed him when he won two more races this last weekend. So uh, I'm doing good with not jinxing folks lately. So that's good. 
There you go. And uh, I, I'm going to do one more, one more thing because I, I can't believe we've gotten to the, end, to the end of this podcast and not mentioned this yet. But Rod Conley winning the Ironman North race at uh, Atomic Speedway, the $12,000 race there. Uh, an interesting race. Uh, came down I think, uh, to some flat tires, played into it. Guys getting into the into the wall, running the cushion, a uh, kind of treacherous cushion there. And, and, and Rod just hot rod just staying right around the middle never even got up on the cushion he even mentioned in his post-race interview how he wasn't getting up there and whatever happened happened and of course he got to the lead and won as other guys fell by the wayside so i believe it was his first win since 2019 maybe 2018 it's been a while so good to see him back in victory lane there uh in, in a stout field and he kind of outlasted them all so uh i guess that's going to do it for us this week on the dirt reporters podcast thank you everyone for hanging around and listening to us and uh we will be back after a busy and hopefully dry, mostly dry, 4th of July weekend uh, to recap it all again next week. Y'all have a good one.